Praise the Lord. Turn with me this morning in the Scriptures to Ephesians chapter 1 and Psalm 68. Ephesians 1 and the 68th Psalm. So glad to see everybody out this morning. Appreciate you making the effort to come. And the thing that excites me is, is seeing people put God first. That's the thing that blesses me. Amen. Whether you came here or you went somewhere else, the main thing is that you put God first, you honor Him. Serious Christians go to church. You know, sometimes people say, well, now, you know, I just believe I can be just as good a Christian as anybody. Staying at home, reading my Bible and praying. I get to watch all the preachers on TV. Well... You can't. You're wrong. If, if, or they're wrong if they believe that. You obviously don't believe that only or you wouldn't be here today. But uh, <clears throat> the Scripture says that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together because we need to provoke one another unto good works. That just means we need to stir each other up. And you can't do that any other way except by looking each other in the eye. Amen. Amen. Being here with each other. And we need to hear about what God's doing for our brothers and sisters. Amen. Not only to shout for them, but to stir us up. Right? Think, well, hey, maybe I need to be believing God bigger than I've been. Look what He did for them. I mean, I better step it up. Right? Look how many people they reached. Look how many people they helped. I better stir up. Right? And so we encourage each other and we stir one another up and God has a, an opportunity to manifest Himself in our midst in a corporate way. So nothing, nothing will take the place of that. And serious Christians read their Bible. Serious Christians pray. Serious Christians give their givers just as a way of life. And serious Christians go to church. So we're so glad that you're here this morning and we welcome our visitors. In praying about what we should look at this morning... We're going to observe communion at the end of the service. And I was uh, impressed with this passage in Ephesians. Actually, we're going to start in chapter 1, but the passage I want to get to is in chapter 3. It all goes together. And let me just read it, and then we'll comment on it. In fact, let's pray before we start reading. Believe God to speak to you this morning. Father, thank you so much for your holy word. Lord, what a, what a precious treasure it is that we have to read and to hear and to see your wonderful words of life. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who's our teacher and our guide and our helper. Thank you. We, we look to Him. We yield to Him. Give everybody ears that hear and eyes that see and a heart open receptive. Let there come a supply of the Spirit and anointing that teaches. Let there come enlightenment direction for life, answers to questions, help, and we purpose not to be hearers only, but to receive, and by your grace to be doers. And as we do, we know we'll be blessed because you're faithful and just, and you watch over your word to perform it in our lives as we do it. In Jesus' name, amen. In Ephesians, the first chapter, Ephesians 1, and verse 5. It says he has predestinated us unto the adoption of children 
by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. Are we accepted in Christ? Yes, we are. Romans talks about that uh, he sent forth in our heart the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The same thing is said in Galatians, the fourth chapter, I believe it is, how that we've been adopted, we've been made sons. Verse 5, the adoption of children. Skip down to verse 10. Verse 10, he says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him in whom we have obtained, also we have obtained an inheritance. Don't you notice that, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he is gathering together into one. Everything, all things in heaven and on earth. Now read the third chapter, and, and this will even be clearer having read those verses. 3.14. Ephesians 3.14 says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. We read in Ephesians 1, he, in, in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he's gathering all together, all out of heaven, all out of earth, into one. Into one what? The third chapter tells you. One family. One family. Everybody say one family. One family. family has always been God's dream. When I say dream, I don't mean something imaginary. I mean his vision. When he created the heavens and the earth, and he made a man, and he made a woman, he intended that there be family, and it was to be his family. And through sin, mankind fell and were estranged from God. But God had a plan to redeem and buy his, family, his own creation back. And now... Jesus being the firstborn from the dead, everyone thereafter that's been born again of him has been born into the family of God. And it makes no difference what your denominational label is. If you've really been born again, you're in the family. And this family is eternal. Amen. And I mean, there, there's hardly anything greater on the earth or in time and eternity than family. Real family. I want to talk to you this morning, and I believe the Lord wants to talk to us this morning, about the family of God. Are you a part of the family of God? Is family a big part of the heart of God? Yes, it is. Does God love His family? We're it. We're the apple of His eye. Nothing in creation compares to us. Amen. Amen. And you understand, though, that the devil hates us. Oh, he hates us. And a lot of that hate, he hates the family. He hates the family of God. And the family of God consists of different families, church families all over the earth, 
some in some on earth, some in heaven. Right? And church families consist of uh, family units, don't they? And there, there are few things more important than family. But I want us to talk about what, what real family is. Because there's confusion and, and what a lot of people call family is not. And what people are looking for when they get involved in gangs or they get involved with the mafia, they're looking for something they can belong to, something that's bigger than they are, some, a place where people will love them and respect them. But all these crime families are a poor, 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 poor substitute for the real thing. I mean, it's like the mafia. I mean, you, you, you hear them talk about, you know, I love you like a brother, but I got to whack you. Nothing personal. <laughs> you want a family like that? Hmm? There is no honor among thieves. Did you hear me? No. And, and it's sad that so many people in today's society did not grow up with a family. And they're, they're missing something. And they, they try to fill it with all kind of sin. But nothing will satisfy. You know, we're, we're doubly blessed when our natural family is also part of the family of God. Can you say amen? amen. I grew up in a, in a situation that way. I'm so thankful for it. I mean, I grew up in a situation... Where we got together as a family pretty regularly. And we had all the, all the ladies that cook, and my, could they cook. I come from down south. And oh man, I mean peach cobbler, and pecan pie, ham stew, and chicken and dumplings, and this casserole, that, and Aunt Royaline's 30 day cake. And, and I mean, <laughs> I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. Everybody was famous for something. And as a result, half of the family was way overweight. <laughs> but you talk about a partying bunch. Man, we'd get together and laugh and cut up and sing and joke. And I mean, there'd be a hundred people out in the front yard. Moors and Weathers and Wilchers and Nieces. And you just felt, you know, I mean, it wouldn't make any difference who you went to as a little kid. I mean, one mother or daddy would love you, and one aunt or uncle would love you and hug you just as much as the next one would. And you knew you were a part of something. And you had that feeling of belonging. And, and every child ought to have the privilege of growing up in that kind of environment. And it's a tragedy that they haven't. But if you haven't, or if someone you know hasn't, it's not too late. There is even a greater family. It's the family of God. Amen. And in this family, oh, hallelujah, Jesus said, if you leave, if you have to leave your mother or your sister or your brothers for my sake, for the gospel's sake, he said, you'll receive a hundredfold mothers, brothers, sisters now in this life. Hallelujah. And in, in the world to come, eternal life. Oh, thank God. That's the way it's supposed to be. How many know that's how it's going to be in heaven? I mean, of all the millions, or I don't know how many, that'll be there, 
you are not going to meet strangers even though you never met them, they're family. Amen. They're family. That's the way it ought to be when you walk inside the church, shouldn't it? That was weak. I said, that's the way. <laughs> that's the way it ought to be. When you come inside the, the, in the parking lot, you ought to go, oh, that's family. Walk inside the door, family. And the spirit of adoption ought to reign supreme. What do you mean spirit of adoption? The Holy Spirit makes you feel like you belong. Makes you feel like you're a part. Amen. And you are, when you've been born into the family of God, you are. Somebody say, thank God. Let me read that to you out of the Living Bible. He said, when I think of the wisdom and scope of His, God's plan, I fall down on my knees and I pray to the Father of all the great family of God, some of them already in heaven and some down here on the earth. Just one family. I said, there's just one family. You do understand now, when you get to heaven, they're not going to meet you at the gate and say, now, what, what are you, are you Baptist? <laughs> are, are you Catholic? Are you Lutheran? How many understand there will be no name tags in heaven? Huh? Pentecostal. Presbyterian. There won't be any. Won't be any of that. So no need to make, make too much of it down here then. Right? You're either born again and in the family or you're not. If you're in the family, you're in the family. The Baptist didn't get you there. The faith didn't get you there. The charismatic didn't get you there. Jesus got you there. Amen. And in the family is in the family. If you've been born again, you are. I want you to look with me in John 8 real quickly. John chapter 8. Now there is an erroneous teaching, error, I'm saying, that's taught in, in the earth. It's been taught for a long time. And you'll hear different resurgences of it about how that we're all, all of us are in the great family of God, uh, the, the brotherhood of man and the fatherhood of God. But that's simply not true. Not everybody on this planet is in the family of God. Hmm? No. And God is not the father of everybody on the planet. And we're not all brothers. We're not all sisters. We're not all family. Jesus, in talking to some of the most religious people of his day, <coughs> in verse 44... John 8, 44, he told them, he said, you are of your father, the devil. They didn't like that. <laughs> you know, Jesus, he could have just changed a few things about his ministry and not had near as much trouble. <laughs> but he wouldn't do it. <laughs> I mean, you know, if he'd have just healed people in the middle of the week. <laughs> He could have saved himself all kind of problems. <laughs> you know, if he just wouldn't have looked at the Pharisees and the leaders and just told them so blank, bluntly, this is the way it is. But, you know, love will tell people the truth. Even when they don't want He wasn't trying to hurt their feelings. He wasn't trying to slander them. They just needed a wake-up call. 
He said, you're of your father the devil. Well, they thought, boy, they were the most religious holy thing around. And he said, no. He said, the lust of your father you will do. You're of your father the devil. Well, we're not all then in the same family. There's a family of Satan in the earth. And there's a family of Satan under the earth. And there's a family of God on the earth. And there's a family of God in heaven, part of the family. And in the dispensation of the fullness of times, He's going to bring into one family, hallelujah, all that are on the earth and all that are in heaven. And you and I are going to be a part of this great family in the ages, countless ages to come. Never be alone. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to notice something. In, uh, I want you to go with me to the uh, 15th chapter of John. You're close by. And why don't you go ahead and find 1 John while we're turning to places. John 15 and then 1 John 3. There, there is that which is called family that's not family. I gave you the example of crime families. Gangs and all this kind of stuff is poor, poor substitute for the real thing. And it's sad that some people have grown up in a family that was supposed to be a family and it was not a family. And sometimes it had the look of a family, but it wasn't a family. But I want to talk to you this morning about what real family is so that we know how to recognize it and we know who and what our family is and so that we can be family. Amen. Now, you know, sometimes people say, well, I, I wish somebody would be family and friends to me. Well, uh, you reap what you sow. Right? It's a universal law. If you want family, you need to work on being family. Amen? You want somebody to stick by you, you need to sow sticking by somebody. And, and if, some, if people are talking, well, I just don't understand. Nobody will stick with me and nobody will be my friend and nobody will believe. What have you sown? Look back now. What have you sown? Because again and again, when you're experiencing a deficiency in any area of life, you haven't sown in that area. That boy got quiet. Did you see how quiet that guy? <laughs> I'm not taking it back. Uh, but so, if you want friends, be a friend, right? If you want somebody to stick with you, stick with somebody. You want family? Be family, right? Be family. Two of the greatest things that make up a real family are number one, love, and number two, faith. A real family, the family of God. This is what makes the family of God the family of God. The love of God and the faith of God. Now, when you say love or when you say faith, you almost have to immediately begin defining these things because people call a lot of stuff love that's not love. And I, I said, did you hear me? I said the love of God. So much of what people call love in, in families and in human relationships, human love, has nothing to do with the love of God. And you, you, human love is selfish. 
Divine love is not. Human love is fickle. It can change to hatred overnight. And you'll find that you you can identify human love because it's usually prefaced with the two-letter word, my. M-Y. When people are talking about how I love my kids, my kids, my wife, my this, my that. The emphasis is on my. Well, you don't talk that way to my wife. The emphasis is not on your wife. It's on my. You don't treat my kids that way. This is not, the biggest issue is not about your kids. This is you. You've been upset. Your pride's been affected. See, that's got nothing to do with with loving somebody. That's you loving yourself. Are you with me? My. So much of what people call love, even in man-woman relationships, got nothing to do with the love of God. Selfish human love that really is love of self. When people say, I love you. I need you. (laughs) That's not loving them. What do you mean, I love you, I need you? You love what they do for you. (laughs) And if they don't do it for you anymore, then you don't love them. Well, you never did. You loved you. You loved what they do for you. You love how they make you feel. And if they stop making you feel that way, then you, well, I don't love them. Well, I fell out of love, fell in love, then I fell out. People do a lot of falling. They fall in, they fall out. It it would be humorous, but it's tragically sad. People have been married 90 times and... Families are destroyed, and, and they think, well, you know, that's just the way love goes. You ain't got a clue about what love is. God is love. Amen. And love loved us while we were yet His enemies. While we were doing nothing for Him, we were not giving Him any warm and fuzzies. And while we were His enemies, He loved us. That's divine love. Amen. Divine love will in me will love you even if I don't care for most of your ways. Divine love in me will love you when I feel like slapping you. I'll do something nice for you instead of slap you if I let the love of God dominate me. This is the love that the real family is founded on. And this is the love that keeps the family together. Can you say amen? Amen. How do you know who your family really are? And how do you know that you're a real family too? This love is the foremost indicator. Now look in John 15, please. John 15. John 15. And 11. He said, these things have I spoken to you, verse 11, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now see, here's the qualifier. How do we love each other? The way he's loved us. How did he love us? 
He loved us before we knew Him. He loved us while we were His enemies. He loved us. How do we know He loved us? Because He gave Himself for us. Everybody say gave. He said, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. How many know that that our family are supposed to be our friends? Hmm? Real family. Are real friends. How do you know that you are real family to somebody? You love them with the love of God, which means you love them the way Jesus loved you. Which means you lay down your life. That means you give. The Lord said this to me years ago, and it it startled me when I first heard it. He said, the chief expression of love is giving. The. Now, I don't usually use all-inclusive qualifiers like that, but that's what he said to me. Now, I don't accept anything unless I can find it in the Word, so I begin to think, now, wait up, wait up. The greatest expression of love is giving? I thought, Lord, am I hearing right? Is that right? And while I'm thinking about it, he brought with force to my remembrance John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he what? That he yelled from heaven, I love you. No, that's all right to tell people you love them, but is that the greatest expression of love? No. God so loved the world that He told us from heaven, I I have feelings for you. I just feel. No. God so loved the world that He gave. Now, don't get scared. We've already received the offering. But it's just a fact. If you love God, you give to God. If you love people, you give to them. Amen? Not just money. Money is one of the smaller things you can give. But if you love people, you give to them. If you never give them anything, your love for them is very questionable. Hmm? Again, you get back to the human a self-love thing. I've had people, married couples, in front of my desk, ready to separate, ready to divorce. And this is what both of them are saying. One of them looked at me and said, well, he, he doesn't give me what I need. I mean, I have needs. And he's not there for me, and he doesn't give me. And he spoke up and said, well, you're not there for me. I, I need this, and you don't do this, and you don't give me this. And she said, well, you don't give me this. He said, well, you don't give me this. What are both of them saying? Give me. Give me. Both of them are wanting something. Neither of them are giving anything. If neither one of them is giving anything, there's nothing to receive. Do you see that? A mature Christian, a Christian of love, is not saying, give me, give me. They're saying, I love you. I want to do something for you. I want to see you happy. I want to see you blessed. Love wants to give, wants to put something into your life. Amen. Regardless of if you want to pay it back or not. First John 3, are you holding your place there? Is this okay today? 
I hope so, because this is what we got. <laughs> it's kind of like cooking dinner all day, and you got chicken, and people say, I don't like chicken. Yeah, well, this is what we got. <laughs> My grandpa used to say, peas and pone, eat it or leave it alone. <laughs> Such as it is, you're welcome to it. First John 3. And verse 14, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we what? Huh? Because we love the brethren. How can you tell a real Christian, somebody that's really born again, always have this unmistakable mark? Real Christians love. Amen? What's the chief expression of, of God love? Huh? Giving. So you can say it like this. Real Christians give. They're, what do you mean? You, they give of their time. They give of praying for people. They give money. They give things. They give of loyalty. They give of friendship. They give of faithfulness. They give. Real Christians love, which means real love gives. Is God love? What does He do all the time? He's a giver. Isn't that right? Gives us life and breath and brightness of mind and all things. Ever lives to make intercession for us. He never stops giving. He's given us everything and He continues to give. Amen? If you're a child of love, what do you do? I'm a giver. What if all the family was trying to outgive each other? What kind of place would that be? If the whole church is trying to outgive each other, instead of just focusing on what I want and what I need, if they're trying to find out, what's Brother So-and-so believing for? What are they like? Why? Because when you love people, you want to see them happy. You want to see their dreams fulfilled. You want to see their visions completed. Right? When you love people, you want to see that. And the, and the wonderful thing about it is it's more blessed to give than to receive. Why? Because when you're sowing and you're helping fulfill somebody else's dream and vision, that harvest has to come back to you. When you help somebody else's vision come to pass, God is faithful. He's going to deal with people to see to it that your vision comes to pass. Uh, Individuals, Christians, ministers, churches, ministries have to watch this. I, even as a church, you can become selfish. As a ministry, yeah, you, you, can, you can get to the place where all you think about is our ministry. All we think of our church, our vision. Well, there's more than one church in the earth. There's more than one ministry on the, on the planet. Amen? This is a big family. This is a big church. It's a big vision. And I found out that if I'm wanting something for my ministry, if I get to help somebody else get what they need in their ministry, I got good seed in the ground. Amen? And it comes back to me. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaking together. Running over. Hallelujah! We're going to be so blessed. As a church family, as a ministry, we're going to be so blessed. And you know why? We're not going to be selfish. We're not just going to be fishbowl vision. We're going to think about other churches and other ministries and other people. 
And we're going to give and we're going to sow and we're going to support others. Can you say amen? Because we know we've got family outside of our four walls. He goes on to say, we know we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. You know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. You do understand that there are a lot of church members that are not saved. I'm talking about worldwide. There are a lot of people that have joined the church. They shook the preacher's hand. Even people that have been baptized in water that are not saved. You understand that? And, and you can see it in their lives. They just are just lived completely selfishly. And then you have other people, Christians, that are saved, but they let the flesh rule them. The love of God is shed abroad in our heart, not in our head, not in our flesh, in our heart. But then the nature of your flesh is selfishness, and if you don't follow what's in your heart, you'll just live just for yourself and only think about what's going on in your life. But if you let the love of God dominate you, You'll look beyond you. Amen. I want you to pray and, and believe God when you come in here. To be sensitive. This is one of the biggest keys to flowing in the gifts, revelation gifts of the Spirit. Pray for you come in here. And say, Lord, show me, you know, somebody that you could use me to minister to. There may be somebody sitting behind you that needs a washing machine. There may be somebody sitting to the left of you that doesn't have money to eat today. There may be somebody in front of you that needs a, a, a suit of clothes. Somebody that needs to, some help making their, their rent payment or something like that. Keep reading this. He said, verse 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he what? Laid down his life for us. Now, we, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. What does it mean to lay down our lives? Most Christians, when they read that, they think, Ooh, boy, that probably, that probably takes a lot. And we probably ought to do that. But let's think about something else. <laughs> Most people do. They just want to run through that. And they don't really know what it means. But they're sure it would really mess with their schedule. <laughs> what does it mean to lay down your life for somebody? Well, to die for them? Well, you don't need to die for them in most cases. I mean, you could... You know, take a bullet for somebody or something like that. But Jesus has died for us. He bought us. And really, it's easier to take a bullet than to live a living sacrifice. Boom, it's over with. But this, how do you lay down your lives for your brethren? You give. Everybody say give. You give of your time. Right? You give of your money. Do you know people need you when they need you? Not when it's convenient for you. Hmm? I told the story a while back about how Phyllis and I, we're back where first year Rama Bible school, and man, we, we're believing for every tank of gas and every hot dog. And I don't even care for hot dogs. And um, we were, uh, we had to go in to Mississippi for a funeral. And we had a Vega. Yeah, help Lord, which is almost a car. And uh, it, was, it was about this time of year, and it was cold. And we were out, we took a shortcut across the Delta, which really is a shortcut, but it's 
desolate out there. And uh, we, that, that Vega gave up the ghost <laughs> out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it was, was it like one or two in the morning? And it was cold and it was raining. And there was no cell phone. We didn't know what a cell phone was at that point in our life. And, and we got out and went to walking in the dark. And man, you couldn't, we saw, we thought we saw some lights way off in the distance. I mean, there was nothing out here. We walked, must have been a couple of miles, and came up on this little house. And we knocked, and somebody yelled from inside, get away. No, I don't have a phone, go away. Well, we got back out in the road and went to walking again. In the mud, rain, cold, rain. And we must have walked another mile or so and found another place, house. Same thing. Didn't even come to the door. Yelled from inside. No, I don't have a phone. If anywhere you know there might be a phone. No. How many times did we do that? There was like four or five times. And it seemed like at least a mile between each one of them. And finally, now it's daylight. We look like drowned rats. Mud up to our knees almost cold and we came up on this little trailer house knocked on the door and there were some people came to the door and they were older than us and they were a different color from us and they said oh come in come in come in I was never so glad to see a, a wood stove in my life <laughs> they said do y'all have a phone they said no honey we don't have a phone but we'll get you to a phone I got a car We'll take you to a phone. And we tried to pay them after it was over with. And the lady, I'll never forget it, she said, no. She said, "Uh, if we can't help somebody in this earth, what good is it? I thought, man. Yeah, she said, we're Christians. We're Christians. And if you can't help somebody. She didn't ask us if we were Baptist or Presbyterian before they let us in the door. I'm so glad. (laughs) Huh? Huh? How many understand this is Christianity, right? Giving. Giving. People need you when they need you, not when it's convenient for you. So many times it's not convenient. It's two in the morning. God's dealing with you to sow to them and you don't have a lot of extra. Hmm? But family will be there for you. I said family will be there for you. Somebody said out loud, family. We'll be, there. we'll be there. Now, go with me to Matthew, please, real quickly. Matthew. I didn't finish reading this, did I? Let me read it to you while you're going to Matthew. Whoso has this world's good and sees his brother have need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Real love gives. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, we said to you that the, the two main pillars of real family is God, the God kind of love and the God kind of faith. What does real love do? It gives. Real love. How do you know who your real family are? Huh? Real, the, your real family 
are the people who really care about you. They really want to see you do good. They'll give prayer for you. They'll, they'll give of their faith confession for you. They'll give of their time and their money and their stuff for you. That's your real friend. Can you say amen? amen. That's your real family. Now secondly is faith. Your real family believes in you and believes for you. Matthew the 12th chapter. Are you there? Matthew 12. Did I not tell you chapter 12? I just did. (laughs) Chapter 12. Matthew 12. Are you there now? Matthew 12, verse 46. 12, 46. While he, Jesus, yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without desiring to speak with him. And then one said to him, Behold, your mother and your brethren stand without desiring to speak with you. And he answered and said to them and told them, Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? Now let's just stop right there. You know you'd have to add to the scripture to say that he went out to see them? Apparently he did not. He just stayed right there. And they're the ones that spoke up and said, You know your mama's outside? And your brothers are outside? And they're calling for you to come out to them. And you know he didn't go? You know why? John brings this up. It said that his brothers did not believe in him. You remember reading that? Let me see. I wrote it down. It's John 7, 5. Said his brothers didn't believe in him. What does that mean? They didn't believe what he preached. That was John, chapter John, excuse me, Gospel of John 7, 5. They didn't believe in him. Why are they calling for him to come out? Because the scripture also said they thought, they said he's beside himself. They said he's lost it. We got to get him and take him home. You know? So, you know, thank God for natural family. But if natural family don't really love you, don't really believe in you, they're not your real family. Did you hear me? Now, ideally, it's supposed to be that natural family is also the family of God. And you have a double blessing. Can you say amen? amen? But let me tell you, friend, don't you miss God. Don't you miss the plan of God for a brother, sister, mama, daddy, anybody. And your real friends will stick with you and believe in you. And they're out they're standing out there saying, Tell him to come out. His mama's out here. Tell him to come out. His brothers are out here. And he said, he looked around, he said, uh, Who is my family? Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Keep reading. And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples. Did these people believe in him? A lot of these people had left everything, hadn't they? Followed him. 
He said, Behold, look here. Here's my mother. Here's my brothers. For whoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Your real family loves you. Real family. Whether they're kin or whether they're not kin. How many think we got a lot of family that's not name kin? But the blood of Jesus is thicker than your family blood. Right? And it's all the more wonderful if our family kin is also the family of God. But really, you know, like, like one fellow said, people make such a big deal out of their family tree. But the, the only family tree that matters is I'm born of God. And everybody that, everybody that is born of God is my real brother and my real sister. How can we tell and how can the world tell that we are really His disciples and believers? He said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you love each other. Right? So how do we know our real family? Our real family loves each other. What's the real love of God? Say it, say it another way. If you really love somebody with the love of God, what do you do? You give to them. What's your real, your real family and, and even sacrificial giving. Jesus sacrificed himself so we could be saved. He laid down his life for us. And if you love somebody, when they're in need, if you need to, you'll sacrifice to help meet their needs. That's real love, isn't it? And on the other side of it, if you really love somebody, you will give and even sacrifice to help fulfill their dream. Huh? If you love somebody, you want to see them in that new car. Don't you? If you love somebody, you want to see them get to do that thing they always wanted to do. You'll help their family take that vacation they always wanted to take. Amen? Real love. But secondly, real family believes in each other. Can you, can you see what we just read here? Now, apparently some of Jesus' family got straightened out later. And they did believe in Him after He was raised from the dead. Thank God. But at this point in their life, they didn't believe in Him. They thought, He's lost it. He's, he's gone off the deep end. We better go get that boy and take him home. And they stood outside. How many understand that's not respectful? I don't care who you are, who, what, what kind of friend you are. Listen to this. Real friends, real family will not, will not use you. Real friends, real family will not abuse their relationship with you. They will not pull on you based on that. The moment somebody looks at you and says, yeah, but now I'm family. You ought to do this for me. I thought I'm your friend. Won't you do this for me? No, they're telling you they're not your friend. They're telling you they love you because of what you might be able to do for them. They're trying to maintain a relationship with you because of what advantage they might get from you. Real friends don't do that. Real family doesn't do that. Are you with me? The Lord's talking to some folk today. Real family will sacrifice to get your needs met. Have there been people in your life that have done that for you? That's your real family. That's your real friends. Real family will believe in you when other people don't. 
real family will stick up for you. Go to 1 Corinthians 13. Real faith and real Bible hope go together. Bible hope is expectation. 1 Corinthians 13. This is the great expose on love. And we talked about real, the, the, the two great pillars of real family, God kind of love, God kind of faith. But you know they overlap because faith even works by love, doesn't it? Let me read this. I'm getting ready to close here. 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about what love is and what love does. And verse 7, it says, love bears all things. Believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Listen to the Amplified on this. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Real family, even when you blow it, even when you blow it bad, real family won't give up on you. That doesn't mean they'll approve of everything you're doing or condone all your actions. But real family, even though you've messed up for 40 years, real family still believes you can get it together. Amen. Is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Did you hear that? Real love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. Well, if the family of God is operating in this love, what does that mean? That family will not fail. If the relationships are based on this kind of faith and this kind of love, then the relationships will not fail. The family will not fail. If the church is operating on these principles, the church family will not fail. How many believe the church of God in the earth will not fail? Hmm? Absolutely. On the rock of the Christ, He's building this church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. Amen. Amen. No, He is building His church. We've had our, our bumps in the road. We've had our challenges and tests. But there's something bigger than all of the mistakes. It's the love of God. There's something bigger than all of the questions and fears. It's the faith of God. Amen. And through this faith, all things are possible. And through this love, you cannot fail. Is that good news or what? <laughs> all things are possible. And you cannot fail through this faith, through this love. I want us to purpose in our hearts to be family and to sow real friendship, real friendship of God. To give of the real love of God and to show the real faith of God. There, there, there are a few people that I will never forget in my life at different steps along the way. They were there for me. Amen. 
Different times when I felt weary. Different times when I got an ugly letter. How many of the devil knows exactly when you need to get that ugly letter? It's when another 85 things have gone wrong. And then you sit down at your desk and you open the ugly letter. And how you ought to just get out of the ministry. And how you are hurting people and not helping them. And how this and how that. And there's been people that just showed up at the right time in my life. Amen. I've had people call me. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. And say, Keith, what are you doing? And I said, well, trying to survive. And he said, listen here. And begin to tell me that they believed in me. And loved me. Amen. And they saw things in me I didn't see in me. And they believed God could use me to do things I didn't believe He could. And them believing it caused me to take another look. And I thought, well, if they believe it, why don't I believe it? And stirred me up. That's a real friend. That's a real family. When other people are believing lies about you and saying things about you. I've had people call me and say, I heard this, but I don't believe it. I said, thank you. <laughs> Amen. How I many know that's a real friend? Now, you, do you want people like that for yourself? Do you want friends like that for yourself? You want family like that for yourself? What do you do? What do you do? Be that kind of family. Be that kind of friend to someone else. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. Go back to the book of Exodus. We're going to get ready to receive communion now this morning. The reason I want you to go to Exodus is because they received communion as a family here. It was that way from the beginning. Ushers, you can go ahead and, and come and get ready to serve the people. I'll be, we'll be there in just a moment. But in Exodus, and the twelfth uh, chapter, he said that they were to take a lamb. Verse 5, a lamb without blemish. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Christ, our Passover, sacrificed for us without blemish. And they were to take the blood and put it on the entryway. And they were to eat the flesh that night. The whole family was to get together inside the house. Do you remember that? And they had the blood over on the outside entryway of the house. And they all got together and ate of the body of the lamb. They did it as a family. God's always dealt with families. And then he delivered them as a family. And you'll find that the Bible says when he brought them out. He brought them out with silver and gold. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Well, there's millions of people. Not one feeble among millions? I submit to you something very miraculous happened when the whole family got together and observed communion. These people had been worked like animals. Recently, they'd been beaten by the taskmasters because they hadn't had their quota of brick because they didn't have the straw. You know that they were injured. Many of them had limbs broken and were not didn't receive proper medical attention. Sunstroke out in the field. And so you had all this. 
But he said, all of you, get together. He said, I want you to, to put on, pack your bags and gird up your loins, get your staff in your hand. What does that mean? Get ready to go. Why? Because I'm bringing you out. Even Aunt, Aunt, Aunt Jill that had the stroke? Yeah, get Aunt Jill ready. What about Uncle Joe that had his leg broke? Get him ready. They're going to? The whole family got together. Hallelujah. Sit down at the table together to partake of the Passover lamb, which is a type of our Christ. And they put the blood on the outside. And when the destroyer passed through and he saw the blood, he passed over them and the whole family was spared. Hallelujah. Not only that, they're inside and they're eating the body of the lamb. Hallelujah. And next thing you know, they're all, all hundreds of thousands of them, actually millions of them, are out of taking the, the trip to the promised land, and there's not one feeble person among their tribes. How can that be? Because by his stripes we're healed. His body was broken so that ours could be whole. The blood protected them. The body healed them. Can you say amen? I want us to observe this as we partake of communion. Right now, we're going to sing. I want you to sing along and prepare our hearts to receive. And as soon as we receive the elements, we're going to observe communion together.